In Jeremiah 12, 5, God challenges Jeremiah, If you have run with men and they have tired you out, how will you compete with horses? God offers you a similar challenge to live a life of biblical discipleship and to build a healthy marriage and a godly family. He never promises it will be easy, but it will always be worth it. Are you ready to run with horses? Hello, this is Norman, and welcome to Run With Horses. Glad to have you with us again today. You know, often on this show, particularly thinking about the name, you know, this comes from Jeremiah 12, 5, thinking about the challenge that God gave to Jeremiah just to keep on striving, not to give up, but to keep on keeping on. Well, I often am really encouraging you to to keep doing things, to keep putting forth effort, uh, to keep keep doing what it takes day in and day out. And sometimes, and this is something I'm guilty of, I admit it, sometimes I am bad about not emphasizing enough and making sure that you understand that grace is really important. So I do believe there is a part of the Christian life that we really should be putting forth some effort. We should be doing our part. At the same time, we have to recognize that God is the one who does it. God is the one that gives grace when we need it. There are so many things in the Christian life that we feel like we can do ourselves, but that we really can't. There's really almost nothing that we can really do in our own power. Um, We make choices, but even then, there's this place where we can't see the Holy Spirit at work. We're often not sensitive to the Spirit's leading in our life. But if you've accepted Christ your Savior, He's working. And that's part of this big journey of faith that we have. So today, I want to step back, and I'm still going to continue most of the time in this show, really encouraging you to make the choices and do the things that will help you live a life that is is really thriving, that's really growing, that is really uh, pursuing godliness. At the same time, I don't want to ever get away from the truth that uh, grace is something we all need. Grace is reality. Uh, it, it's, it's important for us as believers. So today, the topic is grace. It's there when you need it every single time. So to start with, we should step back and say, what exactly do we mean by grace? Well, I often go to Merriam-Webster's Dictionary because that's one I grew up with. I'm very familiar with it. Let's start there. So there are a lot of definitions for grace, and there are two particularly that I found that uh, I think will help us as we think about grace today. So the first one is unmerited divine assistance given to humans for their regeneration or sanctification. And there's a lot of really key words in there, right? Unmerited is a really big one. You don't deserve it. Uh, divine, it means God does it. And it's assistance, that would be help, given to humans, that's us, people, for their regeneration, that would be our salvation. God makes us new. Or sanctification, that is this ongoing ongoing process of becoming like Christ. So that's really a good definition. Unmerited, undeserved, divine from God, assistance or help given to humans, people, for their regeneration, that would be salvation, or sanctification, that would be Perfection, growing in Christ-likeness. That is a good picture of a lot of what we're going to think about today when we think about grace. Another definition of grace that I think is also in the Bible, one that's important to recognize, 
is approval or favor. So some definitions of grace would say it's unmerited favor, where our first definition said assistance or help. Uh, favor can be that. It, it's God shining, shining his light on the just and the unjust. God sending rain. Um, it's God's unmerited, undeserved approval or favor. And in the approval, we see God's grace allows us to be approved, considered part of his family, through nothing that we can do, nothing that we have done. It is all something that Christ did for us. So that also is a really good definition, approval or favor. The third one is kind of a mix of those two. Defines grace as a disposition to or an act or instance of kindness, courtesy, or clemency. So here you have that idea of, of, of kindness, of God has this predisposition toward us because of Christ to act in a way that is kind. Uh, that's, that's grace. We don't deserve that. It's God's choice to do that. So there's a few definitions, and we'll come back to some of those ideas as we go through. One more thing before we turn to what the Bible actually says and some, some passages you want to look at. From the website gotquestions.org, and you can see the, the link there in the show notes, you can look up mercy and grace. Uh, there's this one paragraph that I thought would be worth looking at. It says, mercy and grace are closely related. Very true. While the terms have similar meanings, grace and mercy are not exactly the same. Mercy has to do with kindness and compassion. It is often spoken of in context of God's not punishing us as our sins deserve. So I had often think of mercy as us not getting what we do deserve. Grace includes kindness and compassion, of course, but it also carries the idea of bestowing a gift or favor. So it may help to view mercy as a subset of grace. In Scripture, mercy is often equated with a deliverance from justice. We don't get what we deserve. And grace is always the extending of a blessing to the unworthy, which means often the way I think about it is we, we get something we don't deserve. So that last sentence in particular, mercy is often equated with deliverance from judgment, and grace is always the extending of a blessing to the unworthy. So grace is always us getting something we don't deserve. So another definition, maybe that you'd get more in a Bible school or church, God's undeserved favor toward the unworthy. That's grace. And the Bible tells us a lot about grace. It's used a lot. Sometimes Telling well, often it's telling us what is accomplished by grace. Sometimes it's just mentioning uh, grace is existing, and we see it in a different in different contexts of Scripture. So we're going to look at some of those today. But one thing uh, it's important to recognize: however you want to look at it, grace is good news. It's, it's really tied to the gospel quite often. So Acts twenty twenty four talks about uh, Paul saying, I, "You know, I I run my race with joy." And the ministry I received from the Lord to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. The gospel is the good news, the good news of the grace of God. And he says his, his ministry is to testify, to bear witness to the good news of the grace of God. And that's what the gospel is. The gospel is sharing the good news, the message that there's grace, that Salvation has been accomplished, something that you cannot do on your own. You cannot approach God on your own. God has provided a way for you. It's free. It is cost you nothing. And there's no way you could achieve this on your own. So it is certainly undeserved and unattainable outside of Jesus. 
So that's good news that God has provided that way to be reconciled with him, uh, to have eternal life. So we looked a little bit at what gra- uh, grace is. What does it do? And now we have, I have a lot of passages. I don't know how, how much time we'll have to go through all of these. But I want to point out, as we're looking at what grace is and we see what the results of grace are, I think it helps us to kind of see some of these things that are attached to grace. So even a verse like Romans 3.23, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace. Okay, justified by what? His grace. God's unmerited favor upon us is what allows us to be justified. And then it says this grace is received through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So here we have several really important big words, all those theological words, being justified by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So grace uh, is really important in salvation. That's one of the the big areas where we really think about grace. It's, it's more than that. It's not the only place that we see grace operating, but it, it certainly is one of the ones that's very important to us. Hebrews 4.16 goes a little maybe a different direction. It says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. That would be to God himself. He, he sits on the throne and he is the author of grace. Why? That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So when you need help, what the Bible tells us is that we don't actually deserve help. <laughs> we deserve all the trouble that we usually bring on ourselves. I know I certainly bring a lot of trouble on myself. But Hebrews 4.16 tells us that I can receive mercy and find grace to help me. I can find unmerited favor, undeserved assistance at the throne, at God's feet, to help me when I need it. That's one reason why prayer is so important. And God tells us to come to Him. We don't deserve the ability to come to Him. We don't deserve His help, but He invites us to come. And uh, that's just such an important part of the, the Christian life. And part of what gives us comfort and hope, knowing that God cares and that He has offered us His grace. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Uh, this is one that I often think about when I'm going through troubles, and I hope it's one that's an encouragement to you too. Uh, Paul says that God told him, my grace is sufficient for you. So this is in the context of Paul recognizing he has this physical weakness, this thorn in the flesh, and there's nothing he can do about it. He can't get rid of it. There's no doctor can take it away. So he prayed. He, he asked God to take away this thorn in the flesh. God said, no, not taken away. My grace is enough for you. And he tells him why. You know, God's unmerited favor is enough in your time of need because his strength is made perfect in our weakness. And I think part of the way we need to understand that is in our weakness, when we realize I've reached the end of my rope, there is nothing else that I have. At that moment, anything that is accomplished is 100% God. God is glorified and his strength is revealed. And I think God wants us to get to that point because too often we're not at the end of our rope. We feel like, well, I've still got a few more things I can try. And I'm not sure what it is about human nature. It's that sin nature that just fights against trusting God. So our tendency is to say, God, I'm going to try a few more things on my own, but I'm going to kind of keep that card in my back pocket. And when I get desperate, I'll call you. <laughs> God says, call me first. 
we're not really good at that. We want to call God last when we're holding on to the last note, last knot in our rope, and we just feel like we're about to lose it, and then we want to call out on God. Well, certainly uh, we can do that, but I think God invites us to call out on Him much, much sooner, but we are just, we tend not to do that. We tend to wait until the very last second and then beg God to help us, and we don't deserve it, <laughs> particularly not then, but God still gives us grace. 2 Thessalonians 2.16 uh, says that um, God has given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace. That's really cool. You know, if you're like most people, you have struggles. You have times when you say, like, I just don't know if I can make it. This, The day, the week, the year, this, the whole life sometimes. I, I know my wife and I sometimes joke and, oh, you're having a bad day? Oh, it's a rough life. <laughs> just having a, it's like one bad thing after another, a difficulty in different areas. But we have everlasting consolation and hope, and it comes through grace. We don't deserve that. And that grace, verse 17 goes on and says, comforts our hearts and establishes, establishes us in every good work, good word and work. So it's one thing that I see often when we look at grace and how grace works in us and then through us. I think those two ideas are really important to recognize grace works in me to, to give me consolation, to give me hope. But it also works through me because as I'm consoled, as I'm turned toward God, as my heart is comforted, well, I should be firmly established and desiring to speak good words and to do good works. So grace should work out of us. It flows through us because there's a, an unending supply of grace that is available to us. You're not going to run out. You don't need to say, well, I've got enough grace for me, but I don't have enough for you. <laughs> we, we're in the position where we can say, God has blessed me. And God has blessed me so that I can bless you. God has consoled me so that I can comfort you. God has given me hope so that I can give you hope and serve you. So often we see this idea of grace doing something in us and grace doing something through us. Titus 2.11 says that the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Well, the grace of God really is perfectly summed up and pictured in Jesus. Uh, he is the grace of God. Uh, we see in him all of the hope that God has to offer. So the grace of God that brings salvation appeared to all men, verse 12, teaching us. So grace, this is interesting, grace teaches us, teaches us something specific. It teaches us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteousness, and godly in the present age. That's really cool. God has given us his unmerited favor, undeserved favor, brought us salvation, and that teaches us something, that we should deny ungodliness. We should deny the things of the world that lead us in a different direction, that lead us ultimately to separation from God. And we should live soberly, seriously, righteously, and godly. God teaches us that that's the life that's worth living. So many people are looking for meaning and purpose and value in their life, they're struggling with priorities. They're spending time and money and resources like crazy to gain happiness and to gain something that's a temporary satisfaction. What God says, what's really worth it is to understand the grace of God, to understand the salvation that he offers, and then to live in a certain way that is, I always call it, living in light of eternity. Recognize that the life that you have in Christ 
is an eternal life. And there are things that you can do now, ways that you can live now that have eternal value. That way of living would be called a the way of righteousness, of godliness, of pursuing Christ-likeness. And then again, here in this passage, if you go in, in Titus 2 down to verse 14, the last part of that says uh, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people. What? What? Zealous for good works. So grace teaches us that we should pursue righteous and godliness. And because of that grace, we can be really energetically, passionately pursuing doing good, helping other people, uh, being part of this mission of God to the world, bringing the good news. Uh, it's just a common, common message. Grace leads to us doing something. So 2 Timothy 2.1, again, Paul and Timothy, this relationship is such an awesome relationship as Paul's continually teaching and challenging Timothy to be a young man who is fully devoted to Christ, who can use all of his spiritual gifts in a way that brings eternal value. So he says, be strong in the grace that is in Christ. So the, the ultimate unmerited favor that we have is revealed in Christ. So be strong in the grace that is in Christ. And then if you do that, if you're strong in that grace, what, what results from that? Well, I think the result goes on to 2 Timothy 2.2, which is one of my favorite verses. This is what we're supposed to be as, as believers in the world, disciple makers. The things that you've heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So the grace that works in your life works through you and into other people. Works in you, changes you, gives you hope, gives you comfort, gives you strength, and then you pass that on. It works through you. There are a lot of passages that talk about Paul's living out of this grace in him. So Romans 15, 15, he says, because of the grace given to me by God, that I might be a minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, the good news of God, that the offering of the Gentiles might be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So again, Paul's ministry, Paul's life, is a result of the grace of God, the grace that's been given to him by God. And along with that grace comes this ministry. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 9 gives this same idea. It said, we're fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. We're fellow workers. And he says in verse 10, according to the grace of God, which is given me. This is a common way that Paul talks about grace. God's grace is a gift. God's grace was given to me. So what does he do with it? Well, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. So the grace that worked in Paul worked out of Paul. Uh, this is the way we should desire to see God's grace work in our life. Uh, Ephesians 3, again, talks about this. Um, verse 7, Ephesians 3, 7, says, I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me by the effective working of his power. So God's power has given me this gift of grace, and I have become a minister because of it. I became a minister of it. Uh, this is a theme of Paul's life. God's given me grace, and it's resulted in ministry. So one of the questions before we even go any further, we should begin to be asking ourselves is, God has certainly given me grace. If you've accepted Christ your Savior, you certainly have benefited from God's grace. You have eternal life secured. You have the promise of the Holy Spirit. You have that uh, unity of the church. 
You have God's word to lead you and guide you. You have so many things that God's given you that you don't deserve. So what has that done in your life? What is the result of that? How is that working out of you? God has worked in you. So how does it work out of you? It's a question we, we really, really need to ask. So Paul asked this question or points in this direction in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, where he, verse 1, he says, we make known to you the grace of God. So we're, we're proclaiming this good news, the, the grace of God. And he goes through and tells them thing about our gifts. And he gets down to verse 7. He says, but uh, as you abound in everything, in faith and speech, knowledge and all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. And that passage really, uh, we don't have time to go into it, but he's talking about the church in, in Macedonia as their, their giving. Their giving is a vehicle of grace. Uh, it's something maybe we don't think about, but it's certainly very true. You don't have to think very hard to see this, this truth. When your church takes up offerings and, and you joyfully partake and you, you joyfully give out of the, the blessing that God has given you, out of the grace that God has given you, you allow it to flow through you, and the church then uses that gift to bless someone else. That gift is the vehicle for God's grace in someone else in someone else's life. So he's challenging them, abound in this grace too. This grace of, of giving, of being the vehicle for God's unmerited, undeserved favor on somebody else. Okay, how do we get God's grace? Well, we've already said that. To e Ephesians 4, 7, it says, each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So God has determined <clears throat> how much of his grace particularly thinking about the gifts that come through grace, the spiritual gifts that we have are part of this grace gift that we received. You don't deserve them. You certainly shouldn't have access to any spiritual gifts. I shouldn't have access to any spiritual gifts. And yet God promises us that we do. And each one of us was given just the right amount of grace and gifts to accomplish the work that he has for us. And there in Ephesians 4, it talks about the church building each other up, helping each other become mature and perfect in Christ. So we've been given this unmerited favor, this blessing from God, so that we can build up his church. Uh, that is an awesome privilege. The ability to have a gift that would encourage and help someone else, uh, that is a gift. That is, that is grace. God doesn't need us to do that. But he has allowed us to be part of what he's doing. And I don't know about you, but one of the coolest things in the world is to have an opportunity really to help someone else and see God use the grace that he's given me to help someone else. Uh, that's, that's a wonderful thing. Romans 12 talks about this as well. Verse 3 says, Through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think highly, more highly of themselves than they ought to, think soberly, God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For we have many members, many members don't have the same function, one body, individual members of one another, and in verse 6, having then gifts different, differing according to the grace that is given us. So he says, my message, I'm giving you this message through the grace that is given me. God's unmerited favor in me is allowing me to give this message to you. And then for all of you, as part of the church, you have then gifts that differ according to the grace that's given to, to each of you. You don't have the same grace that's given to me. I don't have the same grace that's given to you. Let's use the gifts that God is giving us in his grace. Let's use them to build up the church. And he goes through and, and talks more about that. Uh, Rome, uh, 1 Peter 4.10, as each one has received a gift, minister it 
to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. This is a hugely important idea. I can't stress it enough. God's grace has provided you with a gift that the church needs. So you are a steward then of that grace that God's given you. Uh, God's given you this unmerited favor. You didn't deserve it. You didn't deserve this gift. You didn't deserve the ability to do anything in his church, but he's given you that. So then what do you do with it? And, and that's often where I'm talking about on this show is the the result of having received this gift and how do we use it? How do we be intentional about it? And that's also what I'm talking about. But we have to recognize that God's grace is where this all starts. And even as we use it, we don't use it in our strength. We have to use it in his strength. Use his grace. Use the Holy Spirit at work uh, in us and through us. And I really, I, we have to keep that picture in mind. God works in us. And then he works through us. So Paul really understood this. You know, he's uh, just really grasped that God changed him by his grace. He didn't deserve that change. God worked it in spite of Paul's uh, just attacking the church and running from God and and being an an enemy. God gave him this grace. So 1 Corinthians 15, 9 Uh, Paul talks about this. He says, I'm the least of the apostles. I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But, but by the grace of God, by God's unmerited favor, I am what I am. That every one of us can say that. By God's unmerited favor, by God's grace, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I. He said, I worked, I worked hard, but he understood he attributed that work that he accomplished, that ministry that he uh, spent his life on. He said, it wasn't me. It was the grace of God, which was in me, which was with me. How are we responding to God's grace in our life? I I hope you'll join me and say, "I I want to labor more abundantly to allow the grace of God to work out of me. So how do you how do you respond to God's grace? Well, one way we respond is not being judgmental of others. You know, Romans 14, 4 says, uh, to his own master, everyone stands or falls, and he'll be made to stand for God is able to make him stand. Understand that each one of us stands before God. We need to do our part. Understand God's going to do his part. So how do we stand? I think there are four things. Humbly, I, I know I don't deserve even a fraction of the grace God gives. Confidence, I know God's going to do His part in my life. It doesn't rest on my ability. Courage, I, I'm willing to try uh, great things because God leads me in that direction. I'm willing to follow Him wherever He leads. And overflowing thanksgiving, because God counted me worthy to be part of His family. So let's end with Jude 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless, that's God, before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy, to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. If you have a question we can address on the show or just want to send us a word of encouragement, send an email to talk at runwithhorses.net. That's T-A-L-K at runwithhorses.net. We look forward to hearing from you. In the meantime, keep running.